A weary traveler stops off at the halfway inn, where he's kept entertained by a pretty maid. Night and day, in the bedroom, in the garden, in the stables, this girl seems insatiable. The poor guy eventually has to leave for the sake of his health, but as he staggers away, we see that there are, in fact, two maids. Twins. The focal point of Harrison Marx's Halfway In is the believed debut of the Collinson twins, Madeline and Mary, who went on to feature in Hammer's excellent Twins of Evil, and followed up with a couple of little scene flicks, The Love Machine, and She'll Follow You Anywhere. The girls appear throughout dressed alike and are never seen in the same frame until the finale, so the viewer is supposedly kept in the dark as to the fact he's watching two different girls. That said, even if one wasn't aware of the upcoming twist, one might ponder upon the noticeable change in hairstyles in alternate scenes, since one of the girls has a fringe and the other doesn't. It is said that during the filming of Twins of Evil, Mary refused to appear topless, those scenes being left to Madeline to perform. That might fall into question, however, since in Halfway In, both girls are totally unabashed about performing full frontal nude work. The slant is definitely on humor, the sex is as innocuous as one might expect from Marx, and the great man himself even puts in one of his frequent appearances, this time as the landlord of the inn. Great fun. Welcome back to Stop Reading That. Hey, heard any good jokes lately? I didn't realize this. It has been almost exactly a month since my last episode. I was checking my email one day and I got a message on uh, one of my BitChute videos. I think the last one. And uh, I forget the commenter's name, but the commenter said something along the lines of, Nothing for August? Have you given up already? And by way of explanation, I have an extremely short attention span. The reason I do episodes almost every day is because it really doesn't take me very long before I forget to go back to a project I was working on. This is why, for example, I have never written a book. I have to keep on something or it just kind of goes by the wayside and then eventually I get tired of it and delete it. So commenter whose handle I forget, I really want to thank you for giving me that swift kick in the butt that I needed. And for the return of stop reading that, I am doing a magazine that I've been meaning to review really since the show started, actually. It's one of those magazines that I found when I first started doing the show and I realized what the theme was going to be. 
And that magazine is the early 90s British magazine Divinity. Now, to give a little introduction as to what Divinity is... One of my earliest reviews was Slezo-Rama. And what Slezo-Rama kind of represents is a fork. Slezo-Rama is a... It's a horror movie magazine, but with the focus on big-titted scream queens. Now, most of the fanzines that I have talked about since have gone in the direction of the horror part. But what Divinity does is it goes in the opposite direction into the sex part. And I gotta say, just on a personal level, that Divinity for me is a very nice little nostalgia trip. Because when I was a teenager, in the mid to late 90s, sort of, sort of between the ages of about 16 and 20, so teenager and a little beyond, I was very into the industrial scene. And what that entailed at the time, aside from listening to really loud, abrasive dance music, was going to clubs where they played said really loud, abrasive dance music, and people, male and female, would get on the stage and be whipped in front of the entire crowd. So there was a general interest in sort of fetish culture, in the trappings and symbolism of that culture, aside from... Eh, sort of dark takes on religious iconography, um, your taboo symbols like swastikas and uh, SS death's heads, though completely decontextualized from their historical meaning, and just a sort of general dark aesthetic. And so when I looked in Divinity and I saw... Uh, Curve and Einstürzende Neubauten and Boyd Rice and Adam Parfrey, the publisher of Feral House, among many other sort of cult figures and names, I just, I just felt right at home again. Now, the first issue of Divinity came out in 1992. And what a lot of people may not know or remember is that the early 90s were coming off a time when things like sexuality and pornography in art were sort of bracketed by the moral majority on the right and then the really hardcore anti-porn feminists on the left. And out of this came people like Camille Paglia, who wrote her massive dissertation, Sexual Personae, which at the time really pissed off a lot of feminists. 
And what we have with divinity is sort of a direct descendant of someone like Poglia. Because if you look through divinity, one of the interesting things about it, and one of the things that I really like about it, is it deals very frankly with highly sexualized art. But it deals with it as art. This isn't something that I think the average reader would open up to get their jollies. Though, Divinity definitely reviews the things and would point you in a direction if you were looking for something with which to get your jollies. So, don't get me wrong on that. But it deals with film and video and music and magazines and other forms of what may be considered low art, but it does it in a discerning and somewhat intelligent way. And while I would say that Divinity is definitely geared toward the connoisseur of the sleazy, it's not like a Hustler magazine, and it's not even like... Uh, a pornographic rental guide or something like that. It actually deals in cultural analysis, but not in the sort of boring exploiter versus exploited way that we have become all too familiar with in terms of academic criticism. And I'm going to read something to you from the very first editorial in the first issue. And this will help you kind of make sense of what it is and what you're going to be looking at. The uh, editorial writer writes, Divinity is aimed at the widest possible audience. That doesn't mean that the magazine needs to be an idealistic void. Rather, it simply reaffirms my intention of producing something that transcends the cliched categories that bog down most other publications something that has no instantly definable field of scope, something that has no easily categorized readership. That's the challenge. Divinity is about probing into the hidden subculture that lurks quietly beneath the thin facade of normal life. Offering a window into a world gone mad, a roller coaster ride through hell, fast, furious, and disturbing, but somehow spiritually enhancing. It's an unashamed celebration of raw, untreated, psychotic excess pitched against the vanilla fancies of new-aged fantasia. Examining transgressive media and apocalyptic behavior across the spectrum of the countercultural field. From extremism to eroticism. From the respectable to the indefensible. From orgasm to oblivion. Divinity will cover it all. And this is just the start. Those of us who have worked on this project over the last few months don't intend to simply content ourselves with issuing a magazine four times a year. There are other projects in the pipeline, one-off specials, video releases, multimedia events, the whole thing. So, that should give you a pretty good idea, even though it's kind of vague. If you take what I've said about it through the rest of the episode... 
that'll sort of give you an idea of what Divinity is aiming at. Now, as for the review, first off, Divinity is definitely not safe for work. And it is definitely not intended for kids. There is a lot of nudity, both male and female. There are occasionally hardcore pictures, like there's a like there's a blowjob picture in there somewhere that I've seen. So caveat emptor on that, first off. Now, there are some people who are just immediately going to be turned off by some but something like divinity which i totally understand for those people it's definitely not for you i think you've already figured out if you're in that category or not the most obvious group of people who would enjoy this would be you know people who are into fetish people who are into sort of your aberrant sexualities if you're into that stuff you know knock yourself out it was you know kind of made for you likewise i would say that anyone who is into industrial music uh i'd say a lot of people who are into punk um sort of grindcore or noise this might be up your alley because they're might be some music that you might like that you haven't heard of and aside from that i think that just the style of the magazine and its sort of overall ethos kind of fits with that general style of doing things if that makes sense any students of culture out there who are interested in sort of what was acceptable in the early 90s versus what was considered edgy might really be interested in this because there are a lot of things that probably would have been considered quite risque in the early 90s that may not be considered risque now likewise there are a lot of things that were sort of taken for granted that might be pretty edgy today. I mentioned Boyd Rice earlier. I would bet you that Boyd Rice was probably less controversial in the 90s than he would be today. And finally, you know, if you were a 90s kid and this was just your scene, if you were like me and you used to blast Confessions of a Knife by My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, while on your way to some club in an awful neighborhood in Hollywood, well, I really think you'll get a kick out of this. Obviously, I did. So, you know, if you share my tastes, you'll like this. But anyway, this is going to be a short review. I, uh, I, I thank you to uh, all of you who have remained patient. I know it's going to take a little bit to get my old audience back, whether you uh, listen to this on the podcast or whether you listen to it on BitChute. Um, I have a few questions. Oh, first of all, if you're listening to this and you have not yet subscribed and you're listening to it on BitChute, well, why the hell have you not subscribed yet? I think you ought to hit the subscribe button. A second thing I want to know, and leave this in the comments. 
If you would prefer that I do more fanzines, or if you'd like to hear more books. I know the last two episodes I did before this one were on books. I'm currently rereading The Last Closet by Moira Grayland. I really don't know if that will fit in with the overall tone of the show, but I think it's a really important book and I'd kind of like to talk about it at some point. Let me know if you um let me know if you want to hear more books or more zines. Uh let me know if there is a zine or a book that you might want to hear me talk about. Just keep in mind that I like to be able to review stuff that is available on Internet Archive. The Last Closet will be an exception to that rule, but I think that most of the time I like I like my audience to be able to see what I'm talking about. Also, let me know in the comments if you might be interested in joining me in a show. You don't have to commit to anything. Just if you think maybe it might be fun to bullshit with me for an hour about a or even a half hour or however long about a, a magazine or a book or something. You know, hit me up in the comments. I'm still on Twitter at Stop Reading That, but I haven't really checked the account lately. I'm kind of sick of Twitter. It's sort of a bullshit platform anyway. But I guess I'm going to keep putting the episodes up on Twitter. So, like I said, you know, hit subscribe, uh, comment on any of the above questions, or just leave me a comment on BitChute. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. So anyway, till then, I appreciate you listening to uh, Stop Reading That. I appreciate those who were nice while I just sort of was being a flake. And I appreciate my commenter that gave me a nice swift kick in the ass. So I hope you have a happy Tuesday night, and I will be talking to you later. Goodbye.